Welcome to the Everything Eichler podcast brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. And today, I'm sitting with a friend of mine, Gary Cornum, who is actually the marketing director of Easton. Thanks for coming, Gary. Glad to be here. We have had a lot of fun over the years. Oh, we have. I mean, you know, you just, before the podcast started, we were talking about hunting with Mike Palmer down in Texas, and yeah. we were sitting in a dump. Yeah, remember that? We went in the middle of the night, and, oh. and he had that, that garbage dump pit dug out, and we <laughs> sat in there waiting for hogs. Yeah, pigs were coming like in the you shot one, too, I out did, of there. In the dark. Yeah. Remember that? And yeah. we could hear the arrow hit, and whee! Oh, man, we have great memories. Oh, yeah. All kinds of punts and kicking around and whatever, right? Even the ranch we're standing at right now, you were the first one to harvest a turkey. There's a That's picture right. of you with a yeah, turkey back here, there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You and yeah. me, a little younger. Yeah. 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 yeah, the hair's a little darker. and Well, yours, you have a tiny, tiny little patch of gray <laughs> in your chin, and I'm mad because I mine's all gray now. But... You know, what's fun to me is you've been at Easton for how long now? 28 years. 28 years. That fast. That's unbelievable because you're only, what, 35? Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I mean, yeah, I started, yeah. You know, I, I skipped school. We, I was a prodigy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and me have watched, but we've watched each other, you know, go through the archery industry. Our kids have grown up. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. I've, I've yeah. seen Nick since he was yeah. a little kid. I've stayed at your house. You've stayed at my house. We have a lot of you know, the same interests, mm-hmm. uh, you know, artifacts. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. joking around. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of fun over the years. And, you know, even going back to when Easton bow hunting first started, you know, you and me and some of the hunts we did together and, you know, antelope hunts and elk hunts and moose hunts in Wyoming. That's right. Um, you know, we've had a, a lot of adventures in a lot of different places, and it's a lot oh, of fun. Yeah. And, you know, if if people have heard the podcast or, or watched the show very long, they know really Easton is what started the whole TV thing. I was an outfitter, a guide, still still do that. But I think Easton just decided, and you were a lot more you know in, in bed with that than I was. But it was like you know what, let's let's market with some of the current marketing channels and let's do a tv show right i guess that's yeah, it was how that- and it was kind of like you know everything just fell together it was the right thing at the right time I mean, you were out i remember you were out filming hunts and we're like well fred you know he kind of fits and and you know he loves easton he loves the brand and you're out filming your hunts and we're like looking at the outdoor channel and it was kind of on the rise at the time do you remember that oh yeah and we said hey you know what and so we what was kind of fun about being you know young and whatever is we just jumped right in and said hey let's do it you know and and without really any hesitation and so yeah it was a lot of fun and it just kind of got things rolling and we had a ton of fans a fun a lot of people that that followed the show um followed the easton products and you know it's been a super important company to me because i look back my very first deer was taken with an Easton arrow, and I was in my teens. So it's really neat for me to look back at that and go, look at that. There's an Easton arrow and a muzzy, which is kind of cool because, you know, that was kind of part of the family, yeah. you know, as well. But it's neat to look back and go, man, I'm still using a lot of those same products, you know, I was using back then. But let's talk a little bit because some people know this, but I think a vast majority of people don't. The amazing history that Easton has how long they've been around. Like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. give us a little bit of the sure. history. And then I want to talk a little bit about a lot of people also don't know. They started out with long bows. Yeah. There's like, a lot of history. In fact, we're recording this podcast in 2021 next year, 2022, the company will be a hundred years old. Doug Easton started Easton, the company, the archery company in 1922. 
That's and unreal. So, yeah, and you think about that. If, How many archery companies, any companies? Right, any companies make it 100 years. It's still family-owned. You know, we're in the third generation now. But what's neat about that is you think about that. All those arrows, all those years, if we weren't doing something right, if we weren't passionate about archery, we wouldn't be here 100 years later. But one thing that one thing that I like to remind people is, you know, and I feel, I feel like you're part of our family, part of our team, is – is we do this so we can have those moments. You know, those heart-pounding moments I'm talking about when you're out in the field, that's why we're around for 100 years. It's not because, you know, we make money or we're just in it to make widgets. We actually, we're so fortunate in that we can be in archery, something we all love to do, and then we can infuse that passion into the things that we do and the products that we make. So tons of history. Yeah, Doug Easton started back with longbows, like you said, making longbows by hands and wooden arrows in the 1920s. In the 1920s, yeah. And, and my understanding is that they started out, the longbow was first, like before even the wooden arrows. It was, you know, I think he watched a, a movie, and this is fascinating to me, but he was in the hospital. He'd had an accident yeah, it with was a actually, shotgun. Yeah, it was actually a hunting accident. Somebody yeah. left a gun on the on the back of the car or whatever. Oh, Model T4, yeah, I think Model it was. Model T4 yeah. or whatever, and they it fell over. And the blast like grazed his legs, and he was in the hospital for a long time. And some a friend gave him a book that was written by Saxon Pope about Ishi. Yeah, and it, and then it, the it, it, and it was and then in the book it it described how to make bows and arrows. And Doug, being the the person that he was, the inventor, the you know the kind of person that he was in that regard, he went to work when he got back on his feet. He went he went to work making his own based on the instructions from Saxon Pope in this book. And and then um, and didn't even meet him in a park. This yeah. is really cool. Imagine yeah. the impact this had on his life. Yeah, that that was what was kind of neat. So then he gets he makes this equipment. He refines it a little bit, and he's in California. That's where he's from. And he's out one day in the park shooting his bow and arrow. And a man comes up to him and he goes, he says to this young man, "Boy, that's a nice looking bow and arrows. Where did you get that?" And and he told the man, he said, "I made these." And he said, "Where did you learn to make those?" He said, "I read this book by Saxon Pope." And he said. That's funny. I am Saxon Pope. Pope, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. It Isn't that a crazy a chance encounter? You know, like and, that. And to know that Doctor Saxon Pope was so impressed with his longbow, I think probably gave him a little bit more of the incentive oh, to sure. go. Yeah. Well, obviously, this is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I'm going to start making them, and I, I actually have, and I know you know it because you've seen them. I have two Easton longbows made back in the 20s, and. It's literally like wood stamped into the U-bow, and it says Easton on it. And to me, that's so incredible. And, and as you know, Greg Easton was over one time, and I'm like, hey, look at this. And I show him, you know, one of these amazing longbows that I have in, in, in my little collection. And he's like, oh, my gosh, Fred, that's that's beautiful. I've, I've got to get that from you. And yeah, I his said, grandfather made it. Yeah, right? that's so what I he said. Have it. Yeah, he's like, my grandfather made that, Fred. I got to get that bow from you. I said, no, that's not going to happen. And he's like, well, no, 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 I'm like, my grandpa made it, and I work with you. You know, you know, you let me know. Maybe there's a price. Maybe we. I said, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it was great. You just sent him great. on his way. I was like, yeah. see you later. I got your grandpa's bow. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. But it, it's you know, at Easton's got a ton of amazing things in in their collection as well. I mean, mm-hmm. from yeah. long bows and and the old original wooden arrows, and that's another neat thing um, that I got a hold of. But you know, he started out making those wooden arrows right. to shoot out of the wooden long bows right. that he was building. Mm-hmm. And I think he figured out, well, let's see, it takes me six months, <laughs> you know, or however long to yeah. make one long bow. I can crank out arrows, 
<laughs> right. And one one thing that he did, you know, back then, he's looking at these wood arrows, and you know, the grain runs a certain direction, and they would clock their arrows back then to get because they would know, you know, this arrow is going to hit at three, and this arrow is going to hit at seven o'clock or whatever. So they, he became frustrated with that that process, and that's when he invented the aluminum arrow, and then that kind of progressed, and then later on, Jim Easton, you know, and then Greg worked into carbon and hybrid materials, the stuff that we're using today. But it's interesting that he started there. And like you said, he ended up with arrows. And I think the reason he did is one, like every bow is handmade. That was one reason. (laughs) But another one is he was so inventive that he figured out, he made just this big, you know, leap between having to clock your arrows and having them just group right out of the box, right. so to speak, with, with the... With, with, the, anodizing, yeah. with the anodizing process for right. aluminum. I think right. that's what he kind of perfected. Yeah, straightening, anodizing, uh, using the right alloys. I mean, he's a real inventor, and, and just that kind of tradition of innovation just continues in our DNA today. And the uh, you brought up something. In case somebody's watching or listening... And you heard Gary mention clocking the arrows, and you kind of described it when you said, you know, this one hits here. But a lot of people don't know this. Back in the day, when everybody just shot woods, and whether you were a target shooter or or hunter, to your point, the grain, the weight, there was a lot of different variables that would make arrows shoot a little different. That's why we don't, you know, some people still use woods more for oh, the yeah, nostalgia, yeah, sure. but really the, you know, there's, there's better materials that'll shoot more consistent, but these guys had learned, okay, this arrow, and they had numbers on them. Like the, the mm-hmm. old Eastern arrows I have, they had a little number, number one, number two, number three. And I'd ask, I think it was even Greg Easton or Jim Easton about that. Like, you know, Hey, and they pulled out an old clocking card, right? Like Gary just mentioned, and they would learn, okay, my number one arrow Every time I shoot it, because of the spine of it or the weight of it or, you know, its flight characteristics with the wood, it causes it to shoot to the right four inches every time. And so they would have, like Gary referenced, a clocking card, and they would go, okay, that's arrow number one. I better aim four inches to the left. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) Or arrow number three, Mm -hmm. I better shoot high because it always shoots low. Yeah. And so he looked at that and said, there's got to be a better better way. way. And he found it. He reinvented a mousetrap. Yeah, he did. And it was amazing, though. I mean, it was such a... You know, it was a real paradigm shift. It went from, you know... Good word, by the way. (laughs) Oh, I like it. We we always joke around about big words. (laughs) But he went from having to clock what you just said to all of a sudden these things group, you know, and then, you know, they they shot... That was kind of the leader for so many years. And then in the 80s, 70s and 80s, they started to experiment with materials like carbon and then even the hybrid where you take the two materials and put it together. We have a lot of those types of products, uh, you know, today as well in the Olympics and other places. But... You know that that innovation that that was so prevalent with with Doug and then with Jim and, and Greg. You know, it just continues today. We're always trying to. I mean, it's a tube, but somehow we seem to come up with new ideas on what we can do with the tube over and over. <laughs> <laughs> it's fa- it is. It's fascinating. And you brought up the family-owned uh, part of that equation. I think that's fascinating as well. And like Gary had mentioned, Doug Easton started it, and. Jim Easton was his son, and he kind of took it over. But do you remember we were walking through the factory? It was you and me and Greg and 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 Jim and and, Jim, and yeah. we were talking about some of the history, and I was just enthralled. I mean, I guess that's the only word I can think of is to listen to Jim talk about being a young man in his father's archery shop, throwing quarters up because they sold arrows to Howard Hill, and Howard would come in 
and shoot quarters out of the air. That's yeah. Yeah, they that's have some neat the, history. There's so many stories there, but you touched on it too. You know, when we were going through the plant, you, we, you know, Jim and Greg and you and I, you know, we have a lot of those old, uh, you know, from Doug's shop, and and they put a lot of that on display. There's this archery center in Salt Lake that they've built there that for training, and you know, people come all from all over the world to train in that center. But there's also a, a center, a, a library in there with some of these artifacts, and there's literally hundreds of books about archery going all the way back to like King Henry VIII that they have in that library. Somebody wants to see it, they can call ahead and they can come to Salt Lake and they can see some of that, that those artifacts like what you're talking about. It's so worth the trip because I, I went through it and there's things in there like, and it dates us a little bit, but any of the guys with a little bit of gray in their hair, or the women with a little gray in their hair might remember, I think it was the Barcelona games that were opened up with the arrow, the Eastern arrow, That's right. phew, arcing through the air and lighting the big Olympic cauldron, I guess. That's you, right. You call, it, it, and just the adaptations that were made to that arrow and getting the Olympic archer that was going to make the shot. And, you know, that was, that was incredible. Right. And Easton was involved with that, that, you know, coming up with a way to do that. They had Antonio Raboyo was the archer. Thank you. I could yeah, not. I yeah, feel bad. Right. I could no, not understand. Right. Thank it's, you. You know, even I have to go back into the memory. Books and, <laughs> but but they had to come up with a, and you can see these arrows. They have some of them. They made about, I don't remember, some huge number because he had to practice and all of that. Of course. But they had to come up with, they came up with this aluminum like conical. The, yeah. And, and it was a, it, it was to shield the wind so that that flame wouldn't wouldn't burn out when he shot the you know he shot the bow and, and let the arrow go and it was a, it was a really long arrow so he didn't burn his hand you know and they had to figure out all that so they came to Easton and we got with them and we figured out how to make that happen and then really the whole world was watching that as an yes. Easton arrow flew through the air and lit the Olympic cauldron and it's kind of a neat thing and they have some of those arrows that people can look at when they they can see it and they were all engraved with the Olympic logo and. There's a lot of neat stuff in there. You know, we have archery artifacts dating back to BC that they found in Persia. They have just a lot of neat stuff there. And it's worth, if they're, you know, if somebody's in Salt Lake and they want to stop by, there's, it's really worth the time. And they're, you know, these archery enthusiasts get in there and they're just like, wow, I had no idea. I was was blown away. And the Olympics, well, you know, there's so much that, that Easton's done, not only for the Olympics, you know, target archery and, and hunting, you know, with the innovation, but let's talk a little bit about the archery centers because, you know, you mentioned that in, in Salt Lake. There's one thing that I've learned about the family, and they don't brag about themselves very much. Um, and, and I think that story needs to be told how much money Easton has given back. You know, it's one thing to be in, a, in an industry. It's another thing to, to care so much about the future of that industry that you're giving a large percentage of the money that you make back into that sport and and i think a lot of industries would be better served if more companies did that but easton has always been very forward thinking with that and they've they've donated a lot of money a lot of time a lot of assets you know whether it was product or anything else to grow the sport of not only you know archery target archery olympic archery but also hunting but talk a little bit about the archery centers because these are these are huge, and they're incredible, and and a lot of competitions, world competitions, are even held there. Yeah, we've had them at the. There's like I said, there's an archery center 
in uh, Salt Lake. And when I when you see, think an archery center, you might be thinking a range. This is <laughs> this is like an indoor football field and an Good outdoor point. football field, right? I mean, <laughs> Good point. you can yeah. you can shoot you know you can shoot ninety meters indoors and outdoors to train. They can train without the effect of the wind inside or you know during the winter time. But then they also have a big range outside, and they have had the the world events out there. Um, but we have centers, you know, we have one in Newberry, one in Yankton and well, in Newberry, there, Florida, yeah, Yankton, South yeah, Dakota, yeah, and Salt all, Lake, Utah. Yeah. And they, and they took the, you know, when, when they, you know, people may, may remember Easton baseball bats and some of that. And, and that company merged off years ago and they took a lot of the proceeds from that merger and they put it into the foundation, like you said, to give back. And you got to hand it to the Easton family for really, you know, it's, it's archery is near and dear to their heart. And to, you know, have these centers around the country where you can go there and they can have a 3D tournament or kids can just go and try out a bow or, you know, whatever. Um, they have these the facilities to really, like you said, put back and, and expand the sport of archery. And you got to hand it to them and, and, you know, I admire them for, for doing that and, and really, really putting back and giving back the way they have. Oh, and even the, you know, even the, the kids program now, the NAS pro National Archery in the Schools program. I know, you know, you guys have helped, you know, oh, yeah. uh, you know, helped with that. So you guys have always been, and, and I think that's very important because we all have a choice on where we buy products or what we choose to buy, um, where we choose to put our money. Um, and working with companies or industries that give back to me is, is super important. And, you know, even back when I was young and, and, you know, when I was buying my very first Easton arrows, I had no idea of the history or the contribution they had made to the sport. But now it's like, it means even more to me, you know, because of that history. Yeah. Yeah. And to have these, you know, just to have the, you know, the longevity of it. And that's, we're really in it for the long haul. You know, we want people to enjoy archery and to, you know, the, the Easton family have done well with in the archery industry and to say, you know, it's more than just a business. It's, they really, you know, archery means a lot to them and it goes all the way back to Doug Easton in 1922. So, and the people that work there, I mean, I'm going to, oh, you, yeah. you, you don't, you don't brag too much either. Although I did get you to admit, you just drew a big horn tag, which I'm very envious of, but you know, you're a hardcore hunter and you enjoy it all, which, you know, I think is great. Um, but you know, We've been bow hunting together. You're an average shooter. You're an average bow hunter. But a lot of the people at Easton have been average shooters, average bow hunters. And that goes back to the passion. Like you said, it's not a job. It's it's what you do when you get off work. Too. Yeah, and you think about it. We're, we're, we work in a, you know, when I pick up the phone, whoever's calling me, it's, it's somebody that is... Um, that enjoys the products that I make. It's not something that we have to have. It's not something. It's not toilet you know, paper. Yeah, right. Exactly. And do you think it's about it? It's not something it, you have to have. You want to have it. Yeah. I, yeah. You could. Yeah. Like Maybe we don't enjoy without. it, but right, 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 right. pretty close, right? <laughs> <laughs> but to be able to be in an industry where people are, that's what they do when they get off work. Yeah. You know, that's, it's just such a blessing to be able to work in an industry that is, a passion for so many people and it's something that they do enjoy doing and having those heart pounding moments, you know, whether it's winning the tournament on the podium or, you know, or taking a doe down, you know, and you're out behind the house, you yeah. know, it's all that. And I don't care what it is. I, you know, I, I get an animal coming toward me and I got that tag in my pocket. My heart still pounds. Yeah. I love that feeling. That's why we do it. Right? doesn't change. That's yeah. uh, that, 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 people that are passionate about anything, but especially archery, you know, of course I'm biased toward, towards hunters, but it's, it's, it's neat. 
And you guys have, let's talk about a little bit of the innovation because, you know, you've been there 28 years as an avid bow hunter and you've seen a lot of changes. I've seen changes, but every time I think, you know, I would have thought the aluminum arrow was it. You know, like when they came up with the aluminum arrow and everybody, you know, I worked at, a, I managed an archery shop and we sold a million of those game getters, game getter twos. And, and then when the XX 75s came out, it was like, Oh, we got XX 75s. These are amazing. And, and the, the range, remember, you know, it was like 2114, 2117, 2216, you know, yep. and then all of a sudden it was like, now we have 50 sizes and, and different, you know, spines for everything. And then it was, okay, now we're going to go into carbon. And, you know, you guys were right there cutting edge as, as the carbon market took off and you guys saw, hey, this is this is legitimate. Let's jump into this. So let's walk through a little bit because you and me were there from the first PC yeah, carbons. Yeah, the PCs were. Yeah, that the was outserts. the hot arrow when I started with the company. Right. Yeah. 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 And it yeah. was like, so yeah. that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And I remember Phil Phillips was, you know what I mean? He loved those. You know, and, That's right. And it was, you know, the PC with the outserts and then... You guys made a change, and let's talk about a, a little bit about the axis too, because yeah, that yeah. was you and me. That was right in our wheelhouse. That's right, right. I That's remember right. getting some that didn't even have a label on them. You know, it was like top secret. And you're like Fred. Yeah, it was the it was the experimental. Yeah, Maybe we put that on the arrow. But Fred, you can't you can't show this to anybody. I got those. You know, to be like the whole shh, quiet. Yeah, it was it was that was you know that was really probably the the project I remember the most, and we were having such a good time with that because. You know, if you look at the evolution of that, okay, we had the aluminum, like you said, and really it, a lot of it came from, you know, you talk about all those sizes. People were shooting fingers back then. Yeah. So you needed all those spines to match everybody's setup. And right. Then all now of a sudden, different they shoot. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then the, the release aid came in, and then all of a sudden now maybe we can get away with, you know, four or six spines. And then it's funny how all these things seem to line up because at the same time, folks are experimenting with carbon as we were and especially in, on the competitive side and so many of the things that we do for the olympics the competitive archery we look at we look over the other side of the wall and say boy if we take that what we just developed for these these you know top level tournament shooters and apply it over here on the bow hunting side we're gonna have some really neat products and axis like you said was one of those so we're you know, small diameter is so beneficial to these tournament archers out in these windy conditions. And we looked at it, we said, well, not only does it benefit in the <laughs> wind, but it, it's going to penetrate better going through an animal. So we're going to really benefit on the hunting side. So we uh, we were limited by, you have the insert and the, the shank of the broadhead, you know, and we said, you know, how could we make it smaller? We came out with that little hit insert. Right. And we came to you and Phil and we said, Hey, we want you to try these new arrows out. The insert's a little different. They're really small. Yeah, goes inside. Yeah, give give yeah, it a whirl. So you guys got some of yeah. the early prototypes, and you went out and hunted with them. And, Hidden and so, insert technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what HIT stood for and still stands for. And so, uh, you know, we did that. And, and having that was one of the first projects we worked on together. And, yeah. you know, you look at Axis. We brought that out in the fall of 2003. I can still remember sitting in a room kind of like this with you and Phil and Phil yes you and you you had to explain to everybody how to how to how assemble to them and, yeah. and all that and that was a good project but now you look at it in the rearview mirror and you're like wow you know what a mainstay that's become and that's something you've been shooting at since before day one oh, really yeah yeah. Really, yeah before they yeah. were even released and right. that, that's what was fun is being part of that whole push that not only the technology but the advancements 
but also some of my best animals were harvested between the axis and the full metal jacket. You know, and you were just talking about technology, so the axis was all carbon, and you guys had one heck of a job with that. Then you came up with the axis, you know, the full metal jacket, you right. know, and it was it was a combination of, you know what I mean? We've got, yeah. you know, aluminum, and we have carbon, and it's stronger and better, and all of a sudden, you weren't having to check your arrows anymore. Like, with aluminums, you'd spin them, and, you know, yeah. spin them on oh, your nails, sure. and, yeah. and you had the arrow straighteners, or you'd just say, well, this one's dented or yeah the carbon durability really was a breakthrough and and, you know you look at that and then one thing about that and you know and i'll mention this too a lot of people don't know or they think they hear you know made in america or assembled in america you've been to the factory oh in salt lake city we have a facility in indiana and we make you know and so we have you know we have the two factories but you've been there you've walked through it with oh yeah we are made (laughs) in america in america Right, and we by being able to do that, we make aluminum in there, we make carbon in there, we marry those two products together for something like a full metal jacket yeah. or or an ACC like for an Olympian, you know, an X10, something like that. But that's that's part of the innovation we talked about, and and we you know we're so happy that we've been able to be made in America since 1922. You know, so pretty incredible. Not yeah. many companies can say that. And then the the amount of people, some of that technology opened hunting up to and and i mean that's legitimate the, the, the added penetration like you said the the less wind drag because of the smaller diameter arrow all of a sudden shooting a recurve a, another inch or two of penetration was huge for me you know what i mean if i can get better penetration and better arrow flight characteristics shooting off the shelf that was that was huge and then that transferred over into children women um you know men you know shooting lighter poundage bows older men older women michelle's mother shot an antelope at 75 years old you know with a bow so you know all of a sudden you didn't have to have a 60 or 70 pound bow you know that technology to me opened up hunting in a lot of ways because you were you were getting penetration you didn't have to shoot such a heavy bow but you still had an arrow capable of doing a lot of damage. So, you know, that technology not only was was great for guys like you and me and, you know, all the gung-ho, you know, guys out there, but to me it opened up a whole nother spectrum of, wow, I can, you know, I can penetrate this animal with 40 pounds and, you know, get, get done what I need to do. Yeah, and so it benefits, you know, just like you said, it opens up that spectrum of what we can do because of those innovations. And, and a lot of it originated on that side of – Hey, let's, uh, the, the tournament archers need a tiny arrow, you know, cause they're shooting 90 meters in the wind. And then all of a sudden, and because Easton's there, we go, hmm. you know what, <laughs> you know, and then I'd you like have a all tiny arrow. That they- yeah. Right. And yeah, it is better in the wind for hunting too, but it also penetrates better going through animals and, you know, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're able to do that. And we, you know, by being, you know, engineering, manufacturing all right there, we can sit together in the same room and, 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 you know, kind of brainstorm all these things and say, Hey, what, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And that's one, another benefit of us just being, you know, made in USA is we can all sit in the same room with our engineers and who also love to bow hunt and, you know, and and you take what you've learned or take what you need when you're out in the field and bring it back and say, Hey, what can we do better here in the factory to make better products? So people can have those heart pounding moments and more people, like you said, Younger people, older people, more people can have those heart pounding moments. And making those changes on the fly. I think that's another plus to 
being made right there in the U.S. And like you said, having your engineers, if you guys want to make a change, it's not a, oh boy, somebody's going to have to fly overseas and, you know, meet with right. some guys. You know, you guys can go, boom, let's do this, let's do that. Hey, give me a prototype, let's shoot it tomorrow. Right. <laughs> you know, let's let's, yeah, let's, let's test, test it. it. Yeah. And you guys have the facilities, yeah. the, the shooters, the hunters yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. So that's been, that's been fun. And even now, like at, at how you guys do it, it boggles my mind, but you, you just keep coming up with, with new mousetraps, you know, like, let's look at the long range, you know, you just saw them in my quiver, I've got, because I'm about to go brown bear hunting, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm tossing up two different ones, because I'm going, Axis is near and dear to my heart, shot most of my animals with it, some amazing hunts, great penetration, and now you've got that long range access, so let's talk a little bit about the long yeah. range access, which is, again, a new mousetrap in a way. Mm-hmm. And then I'm bouncing back and forth between the legacy because the legacy looks really cool. Yeah. And aesthetics, as much as I hate to admit it, that's a little bit apart. You know, you want your bow to look cool and you want to have arrows in there that look neat. So right. let's start a little bit with the long range um, axis mm-hmm. and some of the attributes to that. Yeah. So we, you know, we had the, we had a carbon injection. What we did a, a few years ago is we, we said, you know, uh, how could we, got a, a, an axis it's a five millimeter shaft and it's great it's small and we've seen the benefits of that and we said what can we do to make that even smaller so we made a four millimeter arrow <laughs> which again was all was something that we were had on the target side we had to overcome some some issues there with components because of the 832 being even smaller we had the deep six thread pattern that was ten thirty second, right? Yeah, it's a it's it, it's a uh, six forty thread. Oh, six forty. Yeah, sorry, and yeah, then yeah. then you also have the standard eight thirty two, right? And so there, that was limited because the number of broadheads you could get in a six forty thread. And so, um, but another problem with that was once some FOC has been a big thing the last few years, and huh. once somebody got a whole arrow built up in the injection, it, it was kind of heavy. And so we took a look at that product and we said, well, let's see what we could do. So we made a very lightweight shaft. So if somebody wants to add a lot of FOC, their overall arrow weight isn't super heavy. It's a good weight to go out and hunt with. And for anybody that doesn't know, that FOC stands for front of center weight. Because, you know, you find that if you put your finger and try and balance your arrow in the middle, because we've got guys in here that know more about archery than us and also guys that don't. So, you know, that's if you balance an arrow in the middle of your finger you want more weight on the front or the broadhead or feel point side of that arrow than the feather side, just to break yeah, it down real you, simple. You think about, I think I always tell people if you tied a, if you tied a string to a baseball and threw it through the baseball, the lightweight string is going to follow the baseball. So if yeah. you think of a weight out on the end nice of analogy, arrow, I yeah, like that. Yeah. It's just easier to visualize mentally, you know, huh. you, so that it, it, it enhances accuracy. That's why that's what every arrow that's set up in a normal fashion for hunting has front of center. It's just yeah. some people like to boost it. And so we found that that arrow weight was getting a little high. So we made, came back and said, let's make the shaft lighter. So if somebody wants to boost their FOC, their overall arrow weight is still quite desirable. Or if you just want to use the standard, you know, the standard FOC components, then, you know, you got a faster arrow. And so we looked at it and we said, hey, this is a four millimeter. Let's call it the four millimeter axis long range. And I sent you some. Yep. Oh, they're, they're awesome. flying pretty good. Oh, they're flying amazing. Yeah. And again, that just gives you that much more added penetration. And mm-hmm. to break that down, you know, Mike Palmer actually told me something the other day and I thought it was pretty neat. But I was listening to him talk in his shop and he was talking to some guys about, the smaller diameter and, and, and how much of a difference it makes. And the analogy he used was a woman stepping on your foot. So a woman steps on your foot doesn't really hurt that big, you know. But he said now if she's wearing high heeled shoes, 
and the high heel shoe comes down to a narrow, narrow point, and she steps on your foot, it's going to hurt a lot worse because it's putting all that energy in one tiny spot. So the smaller you break that down, you've got less drag from flesh, tissue, hide, everything else. So that smaller diameter, it's a proven fact. It, you get yeah, better penetration. focusing that energy. It's like a smaller I, could, spot. I could push you like that with my hand, but if I had a knife... I would hurt you, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you're focusing all that energy in a really small surface. And and the other thing I should mention about this Faxis 4-millimeter long range that, that you're shooting now is that it uses an 832 component on the end of it. Right, right? An, out, an outsert, basically. Yeah. So you have yeah. that 832 yeah. standard yeah. thread. Some people might want to know, you know, is that oh, that's a good point. six, you know. So, yeah, so you can you can get that, you know. And if somebody does want to use the deep six, you can still use that uh, component it retrofits back into the shaft as well so but it's but, a neat outsert because yeah. it's got a combo right it's it kind of goes over the lip of the shaft yeah but then it has a shaft that goes inside the yeah. arrow as well to me it's almost like a double mm-hmm. double strength yeah as it goes over the shaft it strengthens the end of the shaft and then that that stem that goes down the middle really lines everything up and so it is a great component and, and the arrows ship with that standard so people go buy those they, they'll get an 832 outsert with it so check out the Axis Long Range because that's another brand new, pretty neat. You know, yeah, that's new for this year, and uh, you know, it's just you know early indications, and with you know even you helping us out and whatnot, is we're getting great feedback on that one too. That's pretty slick. And now let's talk a little bit about the Legacy because that's where I'm going. Oh man, the Legacy's really cool too. Because yeah. you know it doesn't matter if you shoot a compound, a recurve, a longbow. Sometimes it's neat to have just a neat looking arrow in your quiver and the legacy has got that talk a little bit about the advantages of the legacy besides just the aesthetics because it does look cool yeah i mean it really is uh you know it's meant for the trad shooter we really looked hard at the at the um, aesthetics of this but it also comes factory fletched helical feathers left wing left wing helical feathers and that's something that you and know, it looks our, like a wood grain arrow. I mean, I should oh, have yeah. said that, but the legacy shaft literally is going back kind of to the legacy of, of, of Easton yeah, and those old wooden arrows that they started with. Right. But it, if you're if you're a couple feet away and look at it, even pretty close, you look at it and you go, oh, that's pretty cool. That guy's shooting wood arrows. Yeah, and we... And you've, you you know, I, we did this on the Axis Trad too as we went back to those, going back, I mean, full circle now with the Doug Easton original arrows. We went back and got his 1922 logo <laughs> and some of the cresting colors that he used to put on that that arrow. And it's a great carbon shaft. It's a standard diameter, which, you know, is, is really the, probably the biggest seller in the country. Uh, you know, at that six and a half millimeter, you know, arrow diameter. So it's, it's really, you know, it's just an arrow shaft diameter that people are used to. And so we, we felt like we needed that to really go to the, the basics and uh, give bow hunters, you know, an arrow that works really well, that looks really good. And you got carbon durability, you got the helical fletch coming for the factory. So really goes after those trad guys that, that want that look of the wood and, and all those, you know, the feathers and the helical and all that and put it all together for them. So Gary, I, I'm going to throw a couple odd questions to you. But before I do it, I want to I want to tell everybody, please take a look. Go to go to Easton.com. You know what I mean? They can look at all the different new products. Um, but I'm going to throw this at you because every time I sit down with somebody, I end up getting texts and I'll get emails or I'll get comments on it like, how did that guy get his job? Like, there's a lot of guys that's the podcast right now, you know, that are going, how do I get a job in the industry? I want one 
So just know how you got your, you know, did you, did you randomly apply? Did you know somebody that maybe said, Hey, they're looking for somebody. So first I want you to, to tell me how you kind of got your foot in the door Two, um, if you're looking for a job, Easton's constantly, there's all kinds of different positions there. You can look into a position at, at Easton Archery. And, uh, I think there's some stuff on the website that'll point you to the hiring part of that. Mm -hmm. But then I want to tell you, I want you to share with everybody your favorite part of the job being the marketing director, like, you know, there's got to be something that you're like super passionate about it. And then in closing, you know, I kind of want you to go, well, but this is the hardest part. You know, it may be, you know, for me, sometimes it's people like that. Sometimes that's the best part. Sometimes that's the hardest part because people are different, but you know, you, you can tell me about that, but let's start off with how did you get the job? We've known each other forever and I've never asked you this. Yeah. So I was out of college. I just graduated in marketing with a four-year degree from the University of Utah. And it just so happened that Easton's factory is, you know, just you know five or six miles away from the university. And that's where I grew up. And that's, you know, that's where I call home. So I had a, actually had a friend who, uh, well, from high school that I was talking to one day, we were out fishing or something. And he said, his, I knew his brother worked, he was actually the sales manager for Easton. And he said, yeah, he's looking for somebody. And in that marketing area, and it was entry level, very entry level. And I think I was taking dealer calls at the time and um, when I started, but I went in and interviewed. And and uh, the other side of that was, you know, I probably, there's probably a lot of other jobs I could have taken, but I remember my dad took me out hunting when I was eight years old and I just got hooked, right? And so now it was kind of like, wow, marketing, hunting, I really love both of those things, put them together. This opportunity came up came up very entry level like i said you probably could have made more money then right you know yeah, if you'd have taken yeah. somewhere else but you got your foot exactly. in the door yeah with something you loved exactly and so i got in there and i just it, it's been a great company they're you know they're just so great to work for and and so just kind of worked my way up i was a marketing coordinator i started out on the dealer line then i was marketing coordinator for a number of years and then marketing manager for some others and then that's about the time you and i started yeah. doing the tv show and then Another opportunity came up, so the director of marketing, and I've kind of been on that ever since. And uh, so it was kind of that interest in hunting coupled with, you know, my career choice and just an opportunity, you know, opened the door, opened, and, and I stepped through. So that's how, how I got, you know, how I got going in there. 28 years later, and that's the key I always tell people, and that's something I've, I've told our boys is like, go for something that you enjoy doing, something you're passionate about. Right. And, yeah, you may have some bad days. You may have this and that. But that passion will help keep you there and, right. and keep you happy because I, I love that. And it's always fun when I talk to you, you know, yeah, you may go, Fred, I'm really busy right now. I've got a lot going or this, that, but you're always happy about what you're doing. And I, right. love, I love that about Well, you. and you asked me that, right? You said, you know, it's like, you know, I sit down at work and, we're, you know, I get on the phone. I'm talking to people in the industry. And really what I love about, one of the things I love about Easton is, I love this industry because it, it seems like we all kind of know each other. It's small enough. And I love getting to know everyone. And I, you know, it, I'll, I'll, I go to work. I never look at the clock like, oh, it's time to go to work. You know, and that's key to me. It's like if you're in a job where you don't have to look at the clock, is it time to go yet or is it time to go to work, you know? <laughs> and you can actually walk around the office with a spring in your step and go, I'm really happy to be here today and I can't wait to get going on my work. And I, you know, the downside to me maybe is when I get home from from work, I don't feel like turning on the outdoor channel because I've been dealing with stuff like that right. all day. So, 
That's you fair. know what I mean? That's fair. I've had enough yeah. already. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, really, I can't think of a lot of downside. Maybe some of the paperwork and whatnot that we have to deal with, contracts and different things. But, you know, that's just, we call them frogs. You know, you got a frog sitting on your desk and you go, you know what? I got to eat that frog before I go home. <laughs> you know? And so... <laughs> So you, you always wait. Like you, you're always looking at that frog going, I got to eat gonna that. I'm going to have to deal with I that gotta, at some Yeah. So, you know, that's, there's a few of those, but not very many. That's cool. Well, listen, thanks so much. I, you know, I hope you've really enjoyed this because I love sharing the story about Easton because as you mentioned, family owned company, been around next year, it'll be a hundred years. You yeah. said pretty yeah. amazing. You're, you've been there 28 years, which is amazing. I've been like I said, shot my first year with an Easton when I was in my teens and, and still shooting them. But I appreciate you sharing a lot of the inside scoop and a lot of the stories, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks, Thank man. You. Thank you. Appreciate it.